This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen, and it is time for another installment of Ask Unladylike, where we answer listeners' questions that ChatGPT could never. And fittingly, for a show where we'll be reading listeners' emails, I have today with me, with us, one of the stars of Dear White People. Get it? Listener letters? Dear White People. My name is Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins. I am an artist. I am an actor. I'm a podcast host. I'm a creator. I'm a producer. And I do all of those things because I want to inspire. I feel that my purpose, why I'm here is to inspire, is to bring hope to anyone that I'm able to touch. And that's my way of changing the world. So tell me about Trials to Triumphs and why you wanted to start the podcast. Yeah. I mean, for exactly the reason I said, Trials to Triumphs is I created the podcast that I wanted. I wanted a place where I could go and hear the real stories from people about how they got to where they are. I think we're celebrating people's highlight reels. We're not thinking about all the 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 trials that came before the triumphs really and to me it's the trials where the lessons are that's where like the real strengthening and conditioning happens that's where the miracles happen and i know when people have shared those stories with me i'm always changed and mm-hmm. so i wanted to bring that to an audience so that it could hopefully change their lives too. And it's been the biggest blessing. I have so much fun. I leave every episode so inspired. And also the guests that come onto the show, something about it is always so incredibly cathartic for them and healing. And I I end each and every episode asking my guests what their takeaway is. And I share mine too, but it's always so beautiful. People are talking about their stories, right? It's their lives, yet they still are able to always find a takeaway, whether it's from their lives, our interaction, maybe sometimes even something that I've said, but it's so beautiful to share these beautiful takeaways from such a heart-filled conversation. This is kind of a total tangent, but I have to tell you, I was listening back to, you did a, published a live episode mm-hmm. last year where you were being interviewed. Yeah. And you mentioned at one point, as you were talking about your career path and desire to be an actor, you mentioned, as a very quick aside, wanting to be on a little Disney show called Bug Juice. Bug Juice! <laughs> Ashley, I thought I was the only one who loved bug juice. <laughs> First of all, bug juice is one of the best. Actually, can we? It is it airing anywhere? Is there somewhere that we can like go back and watch know. old episodes? Like honestly, the original best reality show. It was so right? good. <laughs> I I honestly think about bug juice like. <laughs> More often than I should probably admit, like in in an era of reboots, that is one where I'm like, you know what, I could I could have oh more bug juice. Gosh, in my life. yes, <laughs> we have to bring. Here's the thing. Also, now that we're talking about it, first of all, I'm obsessed that you are also. I I'll, <laughs> I'll call. We'll call ourselves juicers. That you are also <laughs> okay. a juicer. Yes. 
But also now that I'm thinking about it, why was it called bug juice? Like, because they were outside and they were, but like. I think that bug juice was like a camp nickname for whatever kind of like, like fruit punch or something that you drink at your cafeteria oh i okay i don't remember them ever really discussing that but i just (laughs) recently thought about i was like but why was it called bug juice (laughs) yeah i oh my god i love that show seasons did it air i think it was only maybe like two or three it was not on very long at all man four seasons four seasons (laughs) Yeah, Camp Waziata. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I really I like. I wanted to it. be. Yeah, yeah and well, bug juice is good. And if you <laughs> if you're a juicer like us, then you're our type of person. Well, since we are going to be answering some listeners' advice requests, I also wanted to ask, what is some of the best and worst advice that you have gotten? Along your way. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Worst advice. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't really get a lot of bad advice because I, here's the thing I surround myself with people who I don't have time for bad advice. Okay. So <laughs> I really, if you know me, that like I have a very strong tribe. I call them my destiny advocates. And for me, I've coined this term where it's like your destiny advocates are people who can remind you and support you in your destiny when you might be too tired to do so for yourself. So I have, I'm surrounded by amazing people that don't give me bad advice. But if I were to like really go in the archives, I I had an ex-boyfriend in college who just thought I was ridiculous, first of all, for getting a degree in musical theater. And then definitely was like, you shouldn't move to LA. Like, what are you going to do out there? Like, here's the thing. It's, it was very, if you live a very like linear, safe life, then it's very scary. It seems like what I did was like the most ridiculous, daring thing ever. But the truth is it wasn't, it was a part of my plan. It was very much so like, intuitively I knew that's what I was supposed to do and I wasn't afraid but that was bad advice you know what I mean like had I like listened to his advice and be like yeah maybe I should just stay back home in Maryland and like DC and like oh maybe just get a job like when I graduated from college I was I got a job being uh, like a corporate job being a roving leasing consultant So like I was hired by this company called Bazudo and I got to like be like the lead leasing consultant, but I would go to different apartment buildings and do Mm. it. So I wasn't just like stationed at one anyway, but yeah, like I was good with that. So I could have taken that far. You know what I mean? I could have been the president of Bazudo now, who knows, but I knew that there were bigger plans for my life. So that was really bad advice. Uh, Really good advice. Ooh, really good advice. I what my first agent that I got when I lived in LA. I mean, I had only been here for maybe eight months, maybe. And I and I had an agent, and I remember she told me, she said, Ashley, I just want you to understand that your career, it's gonna be an uphill battle. 
And I, I remember it very much so going over my head because at the time I was 22. I was just like, girl, where do I sign? <laughs> What's going on? Like, I, can you put me on the next hit show? But in ret- it's something that's always, obviously it was good advice because it's always stuck with me. This was mm-hmm. almost, this was 13 years ago. But I think it was good advice because it's true. You're mm-hmm. going uphill. You're not walking on a straight path. I'm not going downhill. I don't want to look at my career as going down. I'm going up. And sometimes like your legs are like really strong and you can like be bopping up the hill. Sometimes you could run up the hill. Other times you have to go really slow. Sometimes you have to just sit and take a break, but you're still going uphill and I don't even know. I think she was probably just saying it as like a thing to say, but it's something that I think it was really sound and good advice because it also was a reminder that you're going somewhere though. Nobody, mm. I'm obsessed with mountain climbing, by the way. It's like a little tidbit about me. I'm up, not for myself. I'm up, I'm fascinated with mountain climbers. And I think it's because it's something that's so arduous and it's so difficult and it's so dangerous, but once they get to the top and you see them get to the top, you understand why they put themselves through all of it because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. It's so rare. It's so much, it's so their experience. It's, it's such a, it's, it's such a life challenge that they are so proud of themselves for, for achieving. And that's how I like to look at my career. I'm going to the apex. Hopefully it's just, I I really feel like all will be said and done by the time I get to the apex, but I'm still going uphill and there's something beautiful to see at the top and I'm just going to keep going. And there's beautiful things along the way, right? Like, like it's mountain climbers aren't, they don't have blinders on the whole time they're going to the top. They're taking in the sights. There's other beautiful vistas to see, but there's nothing like the apex or the summit. I love that. Well, how do you feel about giving some advice? Let's do it. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. And I believe it, y'all, because I have been to a Hinge wedding. Of all the dating apps out there, it is the one that I've heard the most positive reviews from friends about. And Hinge is great for anyone looking to date with intention. No matter if you're part of the LGBTQIA family or not, Hinge helps you find people you actually like. One of the great things about Hinge are their prompts. They help bring your personality to the front so you can match with people who share your humors and interests, maybe even the podcasts you like listening to, hint, hint. And now Hinge has just launched their new bisexual preferences, empowering bisexual and queer daters to have more control over their dating experience. With this new launch, buying queer daters have the option to customize preferences for age and height across different genders, making it easier to find what you're looking for and go on great dates. Because, hey, we all deserve to have more control over our dating experience and go on great dates. So download Hinge and find someone worth deleting the app for. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this first question is coming from a listener named Amanda. Amanda writes, I've worked blue-collar jobs for a large portion of my life, mostly commercial carpentry and landscaping. Naturally, I'm in competition with men to be recognized as a competent worker, especially in commercial construction. A majority of the time, I prove myself to be up to the standards of the required physical capabilities. I definitely pride myself on this. Hell yes, Amanda. As of late, the particular company I've been working for has been showing its true colors. When I first started, I did my best to work hard and gain respect with my new colleagues. I developed good working relationships honed my leadership skills, and earned my spot at the table. It felt good for a while. However, now I can't help but feel tokenized. I am a capable queer woman of color who has very rarely allowed discrimination against me to fly. I recently had a meeting with the owner of the company to discuss what I felt was discrimination against me. The main issue being what was considered working hours. I told him outright, I feel singled out. I haven't heard from the other guys that this is how things are done. Am I the only person getting reprimanded? I pointed out I was simply taking direction from people who have been in the company a while. He tried to smooth the wrinkles by showing me policy papers and the like. Then he stabbed my pride by telling me, Having you on our team makes us look really good as a company. You're a valued member of this company. There should be no discrimination or favoritism based on this, though. This made me feel as if my hard work didn't play into my value. Considering the position of this guy and the audacious statement of my value he made, is my annoyance and anger justified? I've been looking for a new job, but am afraid of committing to the pay cut. How do I fight being a tokenized worker? I can't change what I was born into, and I would never want to change. Is the only polite way to say fuck you to a company to change it from the inside or quit? Mm. I'm going to leave the company regardless, but I just want to know, how do I avoid being someone's trophy worker and receive equal respect to my male counterparts? Mm. That's tough. What I would say is I think that you did the right thing by speaking up. Life is precious. Life is to be, you, we spend a lot of hours at work, okay? Work takes up a lot of our lives. When you when you really add in all, all, the, all the hours over a course of a lifetime, it takes up a lot of it. So we have to be very mindful of 
all of the spaces, especially spaces that require labor from us, <laughs> that we are in spaces where we feel comfortable, not discriminated against, appreciated, and like I said, celebrated and not just tolerated. And I think it's time to look for a new job because it sounds like too, they are, it's one thing to have an issue in a workplace and they immediately hear you and want to take steps to rectify it and, and improve the culture of the company. It sounds like that's not at all what happened. And mm-hmm. so if that's the case, then I don't really see this improving for you in this particular workplace. But that's not to say that you won't find that in another workplace. And I just want to acknowledge that I know that it's difficult feeling tokenized, feeling very, very much so singled out, especially in your line of work. But what I would also suggest to combat that is that might not change for a while, right? Like you might continue to be a queer person of color in a male dominated workspace. Like it, it that might continue, but what could help you support that feeling is continuing to have spaces outside of work that really make you feel loved and cherished and seen and valued and appreciated. Hopefully you can get that at another job too, at least more so than you're getting at this one, but make sure you're really mindful of the spaces outside of work that you feel that, so you could really still feel all of those wonderful things that you deserve to feel. Yeah. And I was also wondering what you think about knowing or following your intuition on when it is worth staying somewhere with a desire and intent to change from the inside. I mean, depending obviously like on the type of workplace that you're in and who you're surrounded by and the kind of support network you have, how do you know when it is worth staying and it's not just you giving giving more of yourself that people aren't owed, if that makes sense? What I would say is that you have to weigh it out. I think that basically it just might not be worth it for you. And, and, and instinctively, intuitively, you will know if in that season it is worth it for you or if in that season it's not. Like we have to be really mindful of our capacity. Our capacity changes sometimes within a day. <laughs> my capacity at the, at the top of the day could be a lot different than my capacity at the end of the day. Sometimes my capacity is consistent. Sometimes my capacity at one job is in the same capacity at another job. So I think that ultimately we have to decide, it, is, is it worth the sacrifice in that season of our lives? And do we have the capacity? To me, the deciding factor is if I have the capacity, then I can do it. If mm-hmm. I do not have the capacity, it's going to affect in a detrimental way, other aspects of my life, then I can't do it. But that doesn't mean that there won't be another time, place, and space where I do have the capacity and I'm still able to offer myself in that way in order to potentially improve something somewhere else. But we, I think sometimes we we have to be mindful of like the the pressure that we that we put on ourselves to like always fix it. Here's the thing. Like I said, we have to be mindful of the community too, right? Let's just say you decide for yourself, you know what? I don't have the capacity. I'm in, I have a lot of other things going on. I'm dealing with my parents. I'm dealing with with financial stuff, whatever, 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 whatever it is that's going on with you. I don't have the capacity. 
the cool thing about the world is that there's going to be someone else who probably does. It might not be in the same way that you do, that you would. It might not be at the same time that you would. But that's kind of the way the world works. It's okay. Like, but to put down things that people are able to pick up and carry for you. But we can't, I feel like when we force ourselves to do it, then the outcome isn't what we want it to be anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though, obviously, this listener is working in an entirely different kind of field mm-hmm. than you are in, does this experience resonate at all in terms of experiencing tokenism and being put on the spot that moment of realization of like oh so i'm a trophy worker cool yeah for sure i mean and and i felt that whether it's feeling like i i'm the token black girl and that's not only in my career that's just in life too i've experienced that like growing up i was sometimes my white friend's black friend. You know what I mean? Like that is now it's not my friends that make me feel that way. Right. Mm. I don't feel because then we wouldn't be friends, but it, it it's other people that will then tokenize you. Even when your friends are like, wait a minute, no, she's just my friend. She's not my black friend. She's my friend. Mm. She's my sister. You know what I mean? It's the world that does that. Whether it's on set, like I said, feeling that way, or even something I've had to combat is like, I'm really great at playing a best friend character because I, I've I've done it a lot. And also like, I'm a really good best friend in real life. So it's not, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a safe, beautiful, wonderful role for me to play. But I also don't want to be the token best friend on every TV show. So mm-hmm. it's up to me to say, actually, you know what? Like, I'm also a leading lady. I'm also I'm also all of these other things. And sometimes the only way to combat that is saying no to it. Mm-hmm. It's saying, which as an artist, as an actor, as someone who 99% of our careers are rejection, our no's, that can sometimes feel really scary. Saying no to something that people easily are put are 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 pegging you for because you know that you're bigger than it. That's it's not easy to do, but it tells the universe, okay, we're in agreement, and I believe you. You're right. You are bigger than this. So let me send you that opportunity. Mm. Okay. Any any parting thoughts? Any parting advice for Amanda? I mean, I am, um, Amanda, I am glad that you are planning to leave the company regardless. Yes, me too. And I feel like that's a big step in and of itself to know that you want to move away. Mm-hmm. The question is, it sounds like the the concern moving forward is like, well, I don't want this to happen all over again. Yeah. M- my My parting advice would just be like, just be as in your body as possible. And what I mean by that is just be really mindful of how you feel. Like if if this feeling that you feel now is continuing to, it, it's getting worse, then you got to mm. leave. Don't prolong your exit. Like 
get out of there. Start looking for your next job. Really start planning ahead your life without this job that really sounds like it's it's not making you feel so great. All right. Amanda, you can do this. Yes. Also, badass. I just love woman in blue collar yeah. construction, carpentry, landscaping. Those love are like it. life skills. Like, hello, I can't do that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Also, I do love that. I do love that line that she says of like, I'm leaving regardless. There's something really bossy about that. Like, <laughs> I'm leaving either way. You know what I mean? I, I'm trying to help these people. But listen, I'm going to go regardless. And I love that. I'm taking my tools. And yeah. I'm heading out. <laughs> out of there. Bye. Yeah, I love that. This episode is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Speaking from personal experience and also the experience of hearing from so many on ladies over the years, I can tell you with certainty that life, it is full of tough choices. It's hard to know a lot of times which path you should be taking. And a tool that has been essential for me in, yes, everyday mental health management, but also figuring out what my own values are has been therapy. Y'all know I love to sing the praises of talk therapy. And if it's something that you've been considering and want to give a try, consider BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Unladylike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unladylike. Could you pick a name? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Ah, let's see what name's coming to me. Mm. Harper. Harper. Ooh, love that. Okay. Well, Harper writes, I need your help. (laughs) Cutting right to the chase. I love it, Harper. My fiance and I are getting married next June. And more than once, I've been asked if I will be taking his last name. I struggle because I'm not totally opposed to taking my fiance's last name because often I think it makes sense for some people and their families. What I struggle with is will I lose my identity? But my identity is my dad's last name anyway, so will I be perpetuating patriarchy whether or not I take his name? I'm not super into hyphenating either. I just want to be me. Help. I love this question. So I got married in 2021, and I got engaged in 2020. And I I remember Harper when... My husband and I first got like engaged. We had, we had kind of talked about like the last name of it all because I I'm a, I was already a three namer, so I was already Ashley Blaine Featherson, and I was already an actor with a career. I am the last that's carrying the Featherson last name, so there were a lot of like things mm. weighing on me. I, after me, like there's no more Feathersons because my dad had a girl. So 
at first my my husband my then fiance was like yeah like I don't care like whatever like because I was initially just going to keep it just Ashley Blaine Featherston I wasn't going to change it I wasn't going to anything then as a little bit of time went on he was like actually I I do think it would kind of be nice if if you if you if you had it if you did take my last name and it wasn't at all pressure but it was definitely like you know what I think that would be actually I do kind of want my wife to have my last name so then it kind of took me down the path of like okay well I don't want to lose Featherson but then am I gonna hyphenate because then that then I have the longest name in Hollywood (laughs) and and I really so so what helped me Harper was that I stopped thinking about what my husband said and what my, me being the last girl for my dad. And I really had to think about what I wanted. And and what I realized is that I am a Featherson, but I'm becoming a Jenkins. Hmm. And there's, and, and I wanted to hyphenate it because I'm building my own family. I have my own family now. I'm starting a new thing. And I want to be connected to my husband and my future children in that way. That's what that's what the purpose was for me. It might be something different for you, though. And so for me, once I realized that, then I didn't care that I have the longest name in Hollywood now. I didn't care. I didn't care about adding a hyphen. I didn't care about any of that because it became bigger than me. It came about like the legacy of our family. And it also became honestly a sense of and a source of pride. I am very close to my Jenkins family and I love them and I'm so grateful to be a Jenkins with them. It's such an honor and a privilege. I really feel that way. And I'm always honoring the family from whence I came. So for you, that might mean that you keep it. You just keep your name how it is. You might hear this and say, you know what? That actually is how I feel inside. You know what? I'm hyphenating it. You could decide to drop your maiden name and just be take your your husband's new name. His last name is yours. But my advice would just be to really take a second and figure out what it means for you or what it doesn't mean for you. I think there's some people that are like, I don't care about taking anyone's name. I want to stay. I have a lot of friends that have done that. Actually, I would say majority of my friends kept their their maiden names and didn't Mm -hmm. take their husband's last names. But again, that was my reasoning. And I'm really grateful. I love being hyphenated. And now I went from ABF to ABFJ and I love ABFJ. The J really like adds, it adds something that I would have never known that I could have had had I just stayed ABF and Ashley Blaine Featherson. So I'm wishing you all the best. It'll be great. Whatever you choose, it'll be great. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that part of the angst is probably just amplified by Harper starts out the letter saying more than once I've been asked Mm -hmm. if I'll be taking his last name. And it is part of the classic thing of when... A woman gets engaged to a man. She then spends the next however many months getting all of the questions. Yep. So Harper, for one, this is honestly, this is like one of the easier questions because once you get married, people are just going to start asking whether you're going to have kids or not. And that's a whole other ball of wax. Then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, too? I have another, I have another option for you, yeah. Harper. I have friends who 
and this might not be for you, but somebody listening might be like, ooh, that's for me. I have friends who, when they got married, they made up their a new last name, like a new mm-hmm. family last name. So it's neither of their last names. And they just came up with another one. <laughs> they just literally, I don't know where it came up with a completely different last name that is their last name and their son's last name. And they are living their best lives with a completely new last name that they just made up and that they both just liked. So that's an option too. People do that. Again, it's not for everybody, but that might work for you. I don't know. I just want to throw it out there as an option. I do think that it is a good, it can be a helpful, almost conversation starter with you and your fiance to really just talk about how you envision your family unit moving forward Mm -hmm. as well and how you envision that. And while you're at it, I mean, ask your fiance too if he wants to change his name. Exactly. Let's get get guys in on this conversation. Exactly. And one thing I will say of the question of whether will I be perpetuating patriarchy, whether or not I take his name, Harper, I I don't I, I think you are putting maybe too much weight on that end, because unfortunately, whether you keep your last name or not. We live in a patriarchy and the last name thing is to me in all the ways that you have talked about, Ashley, it's more of a question of kind of who, who you see yourself as and what feels right to you to call yourself Mm. and I think that's a powerful question to get to answer on your own terms. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think the best way to fight the patriarchy is by making sure that, especially as women, the decisions we're making are our own. Mm -hmm. So I think that you might feel like you're succumbing to the patriarchy if you make a decision that is solely based on what your husband wants or your fiance wants or is solely based on what the majority of the world says you should do. But if you are able, like I said, to take the time, really sit with yourself and make sure that the, that the decision you're making is for yourself and is made by taking everything into consideration, but that you made it solely on your own, then it, it you're, you're not, you're, you're raging against the patriarchy by doing it in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that has stuck with me from listeners that I've heard from on this point of the question of the last name is I've heard from listeners who were really excited at the prospect of changing their name when they got married. And yes, like taking their husband's last names because the father that was attached to or the family of origin attached to that last name that they grew up with was really painful and traumatic. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know what? Yes, I get to yeah. lose that last name. Hell yes. So I just think it's a more, a more, it's not as much of a binary choice as I think a lot of people present it as of just like to change or not to change. Like, no, this is your name. And 
Exactly. You get to pick. So. And congratulations. Yeah, congrats, Harper. <laughs> I'm excited for you. It'll be great, whatever you choose. It will be. It will be. Okay, Ashley, you've been a terrific advice giver. Thank you so very much. Thank you. I had a blast. I hope, Amanda, Harper, that you felt heard and appreciated. Okay, and ladies, now I want to know what you think. Was there any advice that we missed? Any on ladies, especially in the skilled trades, who might have some more industry-specific advice for Amanda. I would love, love, love to hear from y'all. And if you have a question that you would like Unladylike to tackle, send them in. I am all ears. Send your emails or voice memos, love a voice memo, to hello at unladylike.co, or you can DM me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. Thank you so much to Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins. You can follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley Blaine. Go listen to her podcast, Trials to Triumphs. A few episodes she really enjoyed were the ones with Kelly Rowland, Robin Thede, and Sinequa Martin. The listener question answering continues in the unladies room. I answered a listener who wanted to know, why not Kamala for president? How is that not a better option than Joe? If you want to hear the answer, come join the unladies room. It's just $5 a month. Search Unladylike Media in the Patreon app or go to patreon.com slash unladylikemedia to join. You can also follow Unladylike on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at unladylikemedia. Unladylike is an Unladylike Media production, executive produced, hosted, written, and edited by me, Kristen Conger. Mixing and mastering is by Multitude Productions. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. What is the most unladylike thing about you? Ooh, what's the most unladylike thing? I'm actually very ladylike now that I'm thinking about this. Hmm. The most unladylike thing about myself is that, and this is kind of flipping it on its head, but I think that the patriarchy sees women or ladies as like to be seen and not heard and like I don't do that like I use my voice I am I don't shut up <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> now of course I think we would see that as ladylike you know what I mean but again I think the patriarchy would maybe see that as unladylike and mm. I'm not afraid to use my voice and I, I'm really proud of that really proud of that